The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Holy Thursday, April 14, 2022, on the basis of Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Everyone loves a great deal. That's the reason why we love Black Friday shopping. It's the reason why we clip coupons, or I guess nowadays we use coupon codes. It's the reason why we love to go hunting for deals in the clearance aisle, in the deals section. And it's the reason why we take pride in that little number at the bottom of our grocery receipt that tells us how much money we've saved. And if we love deals, well then we hate the opposite of a good deal, right? We hate a bad deal. We hate getting ripped off. We hate being taken advantage of. There's nothing worse than going back to the store the day after you paid full price for something, only to find out that now it's on sale. There's nothing more irritating than going shopping for groceries and paying more money than you know you would have spent somewhere else. And finally, it's the reason why we can't help but compare prices of what things used to be maybe years ago or maybe even just a few months ago. It comes naturally to us, right? We like deals, we hate bad deals, and there's a reason for that, right? We live in a transactional, business-centered world. You do this for someone, they do that for you. You give someone this, they give you that, right? We pay businesses for services, and in return, they give us what we ordered. So it's not a surprise that all this business and deal talk would carry over into the world of relationships, right? We talk about people being need to be held to account. We talk about people not holding up their end of the bargain. We talk about how everyone needs to do their fair share. Deals are everywhere and not just in the business sense. And as Christians, it can be tempting to bring that deal-making mentality into the world of faith, into our relationship with God, right? We do this for God, he gives us this. God gives us salvation, therefore we do this. Agree to the terms, go ahead and sign on the dotted line, keep your end of the bargain, and God will keep his. But today God tells us that the deals that we try and make with him are useless. They fall well short of giving us what we need. In fact, he guarantees that they will always leave us on the outside looking in. The deals we make with God can't fulfill anything that we're trying to accomplish. But tonight, God shows us his new deal, the deal that he gives us instead of the old deals that we try to make with him. These deals aren't fair to him, but they do far more for us than we could ever imagine. God had given his people a fair deal in the beginning. After dramatically bringing his people out of Egypt through the Red Sea, he brought them to the mountain called Mount Sinai. And there at Mount Sinai, he shook the mountain with thunder and lightning, with flame and smoke. And there at Mount Sinai, God gave them his commandments. He gave them his rules and regulations, how they were to live, the religious rites, the sacrifices and the offerings they were supposed to offer. And here at Mount Sinai, God made his covenant, his deal with his people. Here was the deal. Keep these laws, keep these commandments, keep these regulations, and I will be with you. I will bless you. I will cause you to prosper. Break these, break these commandments, break these regulations, break this deal, and I will punish you. 
The people eagerly shouted their agreement. They wanted this deal. It sounded good to them. And so to seal the deal, they took several bulls. They killed them. And Moses took the blood and he splattered half of it on the altar and he splattered the other half on the people. This was the blood of the covenant. This deal was sealed in blood. The consequences were pretty clear, right? Break this deal and you would die. And after this deal was sealed, God brought the elders and he brought Moses up the mountain for a meal they would never forget. They got to eat and drink with God. Now, aside from all the bull killing and the blood splattering, it really is a pretty easy deal to understand. Keep these laws. Do what God tells you to do. Keep the commandments and God would bless them. Break, these deal, break the deal. Break these commandments and God would punish them. It's an easy rule and law to apply to our lives as well, right? Keep the commandments. Don't steal. Don't murder. Don't cheat. Don't lie. Don't sleep around. Come to church. Give your offerings. Do good things and God will be happy with you. And if you do the opposite, well, then God will be angry with you, right? If we don't come to church, if we steal, if we lie, if we cheat, God will punish us. It's a deal that makes a lot of sense. It's simple. It's straightforward. Even unbelievers, even non-Christians understand how it works, right? Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. Be a good person, good things will happen to you. Be a bad person and bad things will happen to you. But as straightforward and as simple as the deal might sound, fast forward 800 years later, and the deal that God had made with his people was in shambles. See, God had kept his end of the deal, but the people had failed to keep theirs. And that's where Jeremiah comes in. Jeremiah proclaimed the condemnation of God to point out where they had gone wrong. The people thought they had done a good job keeping God's covenant. They did all the outward things, right? They offered the sacrifices, um, they killed lambs and bulls. They kept all the religious rites and the festivals that God had set before them. But even though on the outside they looked good, on the inside the truth was that they had been unfaithful. Yes, they gave offerings to God, but they also gave offerings to other gods. Yes, they gave sacrifices, they killed lambs and bulls for their sins, but then they proceeded to turn around and do the exact same sins they had committed before. Yes, they went to the temple to worship and to praise God, but the temple that was supposed to be a house of prayer, they, they turned into a den of robbers, a place to buy and to sell and to get rich. And that's why Jeremiah went to these people to tell them that destruction was coming. God was coming to enforce his part of the deal. They had broken the deal and God would destroy them. And Jeremiah's words are meant for us, too, in the same sense that destruction and ruin is what is waiting for us if we try to keep our end of these deals with God. We might try to convince ourselves that we've done a pretty good job of keeping our deals with God. We might pat, our, pat ourselves on the back for being pretty good people, right? We haven't stolen, we don't cheat, we don't murder, we don't break any of those commandments outwardly. And yes, we're human, right? We aren't perfect, but we've been pretty good. But because we haven't been perfect, we have to come up with explanations for how we're good, for why we're good. It's the reason why we compare ourselves with others, right? Sure, God, I'm not up here on the top, but I'm also not here on the bottom, right? I'm better than these people, at least. 
It's the reason why we weigh our goodness, right? Even though we've committed these sins, well, God, look at all these good things that I've done to make up for it. My good things outweigh the bad things. Therefore, I'm a good person. But all these explanations, all these excuses, all these mental gymnastics we might do to try to convince ourselves that we're good people, they only lead us to ask more questions. How can I be sure that God loves me? How can I be sure that I've done enough? How can I be sure that all the good things I've done have really canceled out these bad things that I've committed? And ultimately, it leaves us with the toughest question of all, which is, is God really happy with me? Is God really pleased with me? And Jeremiah tells us the terrifying truth, which is that God does not see the deals that we make with him the same way that we see our side of the deal. God doesn't see things as pretty good or good enough. God views things in terms of, of the deal. Either we've been good enough or we haven't. Either we've kept our end of the deal or we haven't. Either we're in heaven or we're not. There's no gray area. And so we find ourselves standing on the same line, on the same side of the line as God's people, doomed for destruction and ruin. And that's why God sent Jeremiah with these words today, a new message, a message of a new covenant of a new deal. It would be completely different from the old covenant. It would wipe away the old covenant, the old deal. No more bulls, no more lambs to be killed, no more blood and slaughter, no more sprinkling of blood, no more religious rites from the priests. Instead of writing these laws on tablets of stone, God promised that he would write the laws on the people's hearts. Instead of holding rejection over the people, God promised they would always be his people. He would always be their God. Instead of the constant reminder of sacrifices about their sin, God promised that he would drown their sins. He would forget them in the past. The days were coming of, in Jesus, we see how God breaks through the old covenant. We see how he breaks through this old covenant and gives us the new covenant. He does that by taking all the risk on himself. Jesus is the one who will suffer. Jesus is the one who will die. Jesus is the one who will suffer the penalty and the pain for our sins. He's the one who will die to set us free. And in Jesus, we see what this deal really is. It's not a negotiation. It's not a contract. It's not a business deal. It's God's act of love for you and for me. There's nothing that we have to do. He promises that it is accomplished. It's the words that he'll speak tomorrow. It is is finished. And in Jesus, God answers all of those difficult questions that we ask ourselves. Are we really good people? Have we really been enough? Have our sins really been canceled out? And in Jesus, God answers those questions. God takes the focus off of you and he turns it to Jesus. You don't have to look at yourself for your goodness. You look to the cross. You look to what Jesus has done for you. And finally, to seal the deal, God gives you and I the same gift that he gave to Moses and to the elders of Israel. He gives you and I a meal that we will never forget. And bread and wine, God connects us to the physical suffering of Jesus on the cross. And bread and wine, God gives you the forgiveness of sins. And bread and wine, God gives you the answer to all those nagging doubts to all that guilt that you have inside of you, God proclaims forgiveness 
for you. And bread and wine, in this meal that God gives to you and to me, he begs you to throw off the chains of the old deal and to come to the new deal. You don't have to climb those, stairway, those stairwells to heaven. You don't have to keep on striving and toiling. You don't have to go through those mental gymnastics to pretend that you're a good person. It's been finished. It's been accomplished. The only thing left to do is to come and eat and drink. To eat the beautiful banquet feast that God has set before you, the heavenly banquet feast. That's all that's left to do, to come and to eat and to drink God's new deal and his new meal for you. Amen.